Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Yeah, good morning, church. Good to yeah, see some of you in the room, and I hope that you all at home are, are comfortable and, and, and you enjoyed that boy band as much as I did. Um, that was cool, hey? <laughs> just the guys worshipping on stage. It made me want to just get out my guitar and come and join you guys, dust it off, <laughs> and, uh, and get up there. Some mighty men were on that stage today, hey? Some mighty men of God, future world changers, current world changers, heroes of the faith. Come on. This house is packed with potential. And I don't just say that flippantly. Guys, I mean it. I really mean it. Packed with potential. Packed with ability to make an impact in this world. And we just believe in you guys and say thank you. Thank you for serving us this morning. Um, so let's, let's get into some word. Um, if you have a Bible, you can go to Matthew 28. We'll start there. We've, uh, we have been talking over the last while about our V formation, our vision formation. Max said it really well. In some churches, you have to wear pants. In our church, you have to be faithful and fruitful. <laughs> uh, you know, some churches, they've got some cultures and norms and different ways of doing things. In our church, you can wear your pants or your dress or whatever, but, but you've got to be faithful and fruitful. That's, that's our goal. We want to see every member faithful and fruitful in Christ. And uh, as part of being fruitful, one of the, the, the things that we focused on was that we want to be fruitful in reaching people with the gospel, and we want to be fruitful in making disciples. Um, you know, as a church, we, we, we want to be a disciple-making church. That's what we want to be. And, and so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is just narrow our focus even more from our V formation onto the one word, which is the word disciple. And uh, we want to explore and remind ourselves what it means to be a disciple. Um, rem- just remind ourselves, you know, we are called to be disciples and, and what it means to obey the Great Commission to go and make disciples as well. So we're going to start in Matthew 28, verse 18. And, uh, and just also, just, I want to just headline this, that, uh, you know, I'm really feeling the burden of, of prayer. And, uh, yeah, I just on the back of this, we are starting to plan a 40 days of prayer. Uh, praying for revival on the back of the series. So currently the, the prayer room is open, guys. You are welcome to uh, go and clock into the prayer room and start praying. But just a heads up, uh, we are going to be doing 40 days of prayer coming up soon. And um, yeah, I just really feel the, the burden on that. And so we're going to go after that. We're also talking about opening the doors of the church. Heads up. So stay tuned this week. Um, and this coming Sunday, we'll, we'll give you some more information on that. So, are we ready to get into the Word? Let's pray before we get into the Word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good and that everything good starts with your Word. Your Word brings life, healing, and direction. We treasure your word more than our daily bread. And we boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants 
are listening. Amen. Matthew 28, verse 18. I know some of you know it so well. You can probably quote it without looking at your Bibles, especially if you came from campus and you did DMC on campus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, All in heaven and on earth has been given to therefore and converts. Go and make great Sunday services. Go produce great music albums. Go make <laughs> It's so great having people in the room here. <laughs> Let's see it on the chat, people. Disciples, okay? Go make disciples of all nations. There's the what and the who right there. Carry on reading. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey some of the things I told you, the easy things I told you, the nice things I told you, just some of the stuff I said. Teach them to what? Obey. Can you just underline that word if you, if you actually have a pen and a Bible? I mean, highlight it if you're using an app this morning. Obey. Obey. That's not really a word we like to you know, look at as adults, say, you know, dogs obey their masters, children need to obey their parents, but adults, who do we obey, huh? (laughs) Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage of scripture, I know we can read it and, uh, and a lot of us have heard it before many times, but this is known, if you don't know this, in like Christianese and Christendom and all of that as the Great Commission. These are the words that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. It was his last command to them. It was his commission, his mandate. He was like, like Jesus is leaving and it's like, well, what are we going to do? And he tells us what we need to be doing. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. You know, the gospel hasn't yet spread in 2,000 years to all nations. There are billions of people on this planet who haven't even heard of Jesus, who don't even have access to a Bible. The job is not yet done. After all these years, I think God is looking for a generation that's going to rise up and follow this great commission, that's going to say this is not just a great suggestion. This is not just like, hey guys, if you have time. Hey guys, maybe if you, if you feel like this is something that connects with you and your life vision and your life purpose and, and you're able just to fit it into your schedule and, you know, like if it's, if it's okay with you, you know? No, it's a, it's a commission. It's not a suggestion. I think it was, um, I think it was David Livingston who said that a, a commission from an earthly king is considered an honor. Why is it that a commission from a heavenly king is considered a sacrifice? It's a good question to ask from a man who who really owned that, who owned the Great Commission, who left his nation, who went out and who, who went and made disciples of all nations. This is a command to every follower of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is your commission. Can you put your hand on your chest this morning and say, it's my commission. This is what Jesus wants me to do. You can say that. This is what Jesus wants me to do. And in this commission, I want you to notice, we see the essence of what it means to be a disciple. 
Not only is there a commission to go make disciples, but Jesus tells us what a disciple is. Can you look at that passage again? Can you tell me what is a disciple? Somebody who obeys what? Some of the stuff that Jesus taught? The good stuff? The stuff about finances that he taught? The stuff about marriage that he taught? Every A disciple is someone who obeys, who's obedient to everything that Jesus commanded. Just take a little personal examination this morning. Can I ask you, are you a disciple? <laughs> I warned the people in the room, this is going to hurt this message. <laughs> Your couch might be just getting a little uncomfortable right now. Okay, that's all right. That's good. This is what the Word of God's meant to do. It's meant to challenge us, provoke us, stir us up. Amen. Are you a disciple? Do you obey everything? I don't think there's anyone in this room or watching that can claim, yeah, I obey everything Jesus taught, which tells us that this is a lifelong journey. This is something that we're going to grow in. This is something that we're going to get better at. This is something that we never actually really arrive at. So if you're feeling comfortable this morning, like you feel like you got a lot of what Jesus said down, I just want to stir you up a little bit and say, listen, this is every, he said everything, everything that I have commanded you. Not just like, you know, enough to get you by. <laughs> this is everything. This means we've got to take a lifelong approach to being a disciple of Jesus. This means that we've got to have a focus, a long-term focus of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This means we've got to have a life vision that incorporates staying humble and in the Word and learning how to obey Jesus in every circumstance, in every area of life, in every phase of life that we find ourselves I want us to skip forward to Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 to 8. It says the following. It says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire to take vengeance on who? Those who, what does your Bible say? Those who do not know God. And those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've taken these two, I've chosen these two passages of scriptures to show you that there's a timeline here. It's just to say that we're not going to have forever to make disciples. Jesus left in a particular way, and the command when he left was go make disciples. Of all nations. Teach them to obey everything. So we can't even think that we've, you know, arrived or that, you know, they've got enough if we've just given them some. We have to give everything. It's a, it's a thorough work. It's a work that requires a, a, a lot of attention, right, in order for it to be completed the way he wants. But from the time he left, he said, go and make disciples. There is a time when he will return. We don't have forever to do this job. And when he returns, he's going to take vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. In other words, on those who did not get reached and those who did not get discipled. Church, I want us just to feel the weight of that. I was on the beach this morning. My son was doing a, a race. And we there early. I was watching the sun rise. I was watching people going down to the beach and slaughtering 
chickens and lighting candles, getting on their knees and spreading the blood in the sand and praying with all their hearts, with their faces in the sand. Because they do not know God and that there was one sacrifice made for all. The sinless blood of Jesus was spilt so that no more offerings are needed. And they're trapped in a system of works to try and earn their way to find some sort of favor with a God who's already made a way. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to sit with them and be patient with them and love them, help them, pray for them and see them through? I want you to notice in the scripture that this commission that's been given to us is a high stakes mandate. There is a radical judgment that is coming. So this cannot be a commission that we take lightly. There are high stakes involved in us. Not He leaves, go make disciples. He comes back and he takes vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel. There is a high, this is a high stakes mandate. This is a mandate that requires us to pay attention. We can't be like, oh yeah, I tried to make disciples, but they didn't really want to listen to me, so like I kind of gave up, and then, you know, sorry, gave up my best. No, this is a high-stakes mandate. These are lives at stake here. We can't say, well, like I didn't really, you know, have the time. Well, I didn't really, like, get around to it because, you know, I was like quite busy with stuff. No, this is... Those people that we're going to work with, those people that live in our blocks, that live in our streets, they don't know what's coming. We do. And we cannot, we cannot say that we don't. And like, oh, I didn't know you'll be that serious, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I didn't think you, oh, did you really mean that when it says vengeance, flaming fire, mighty angels? Did you, did you really, did you really mean what you, I, I kind of just thought maybe that was, the drama in the Bible. There's no drama here, people. This is for real. This is lives. And you know, it's possible that like any other organization or business or, I don't know, any, any sort of community of people, that, that we can lose focus quite easy, especially in the church. Church can very easily become about attending, entertaining Sunday services keeping Christians busy with things and music. And, you know, church can really easily become this, this community that, like, I go to that I find friends and my kids find friends and, and we all do life together and, and all of that. And, and, yes, that's what we do get out of church. That, you know, those are the spin-offs of church. But that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is found in this commission. What is it? To go and make disciples. Of all nations. So church is before its services and events and I don't know, you know, we, we have events and I'm not saying those are all wrong and whatever, but, but the purpose, the primary purpose of the church 
is to it should be we should be a disciple making factory that's what we really exist for bill hull said the following he said discipleship isn't just one of the things the church does it is what the church does it shouldn't just be like this oh and then we make disciples it's no this is what we do full stop <laughs> eddie gibbs said the following he said to stay in business we must know what we're in business for <laughs> in case you don't know and we are in business for making disciples that is our chief and primary purpose i want you just to imagine this morning okay wherever you are that you have never been to church before all right you've never attended a sunday service just imagine, try and imagine that in your mind you've you've never You've, you've never seen it online. You've never attended one online. You've never, you've never been to any sort of Christian kind of like gathering before. And you get born again and you take the Bible and you read the Bible and you read like the Gospels and you read what Jesus commanded. Let me ask you a question. And, and you read that great commission to go make disciples of all nations. What would you do? You've never been to church before. You've never seen this kind of expression in your life. And you just read the Bible. And you just read that great commission. What would you do with your life? You'd probably do what you saw Jesus doing. You'd go find people. You'd preach the good news to them. You would gather them. And then you would teach them that everything that Jesus commanded... And then teach them and empower them to go and do the same to other people so that when you leave, they will be actually more fruitful than you and the work will continue long after you're gone. That's pretty much what you would do. You might not even think of starting a Sunday service just having read the Bible. <laughs> and so what I'm, what I'm trying to say, like don't think I'm axing Sunday services, but listen, God is allowed us to be out of the building, I think, for a reason. And I feel like we need to get it. And I, and I, I feel like, like I'm, I'm starting to see, oh, the bigger picture to this whole COVID-19 story. He wants the church to come back and he wants the church to be authentic and he wants the church to be real and he wants the church to be faithful to the mandate that he gave him. You know, don't get me wrong. I love this expression. I love a Sunday service. I love coming together in corporate worship. It's a catalytic moment. It's an empowering moment. It's a feeding moment. It's a, it's an, it's a moment where we get what we need. But I want you to know that is not the primary church, function of the church. That should be an overflow of a disciple making factory. What happens from, from Monday to Saturday is that we make disciples. That we're involved in making disciples and then we come together in a celebration of corporate worship because we're obeying the Great Commission Monday to Saturday. Amen. So let's I want to take us to, to Luke chapter 14. Are you still okay? Are you still breathing? Yes. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Luke chapter 14. I want to go there. And I want to just look at specifically this morning the price, paying the price to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, if we're going to make disciples, one thing we've got to be sure is that we are disciples ourselves first. And that involves paying the price to be a disciple. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, 
Jesus said the following, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Can someone say Esh? I mean, that's quite, that's quite hectic right there. That is quite a strong statement. That's basically saying Jesus before family, Jesus before culture. Jesus before our allegiances and, and relationships. Jesus before all of that. And I went just to try and check like if there was something here in the Greek. And I looked at that word hate because I thought, nah, Jesus didn't say hate. You know, they got it wrong in the translation. <laughs> Let me go like, look, you know, look at this word. And I, I looked up the word and, and, and it actually is missio and it means this. It means hate. <laughs> in every context that it's used in the New Testament, it actually means Hate. Yeah. And what he was trying to say is, is that he comes first before everything else by a long way. By the closest relationships, the closest allegiances that we have. Um, that he was making a statement there. I'm not t- he wasn't being literal like go hate your parents because we know that he taught us not to hate even our enemies. All right? We're supposed to even love our enemies. And as Pomlani said a little while ago, if we really are true disciples, then we will really love our families as Christ. You know, loved the church even. And so it's not that. What he's saying is that he's first. By comparison, like he is number one. The love that you have there is typically the greatest love that we have. But he needs to be a love that's greater than that. In verse 33, he says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Can, can he ask you to do anything is, the, is really what he's saying here. Has he really got number one place in your life? And he's, and he's basically saying there's a high price to pay if you want to be my disciple. Luke 9 verse 23 says, he said to the crowd, If any of you, and we'll just focus on this passage for a little bit, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, Daily, can you say daily? daily? And follow me. And you know what? Many people in the New Testament did exactly that. They gave up everything and left their nets and their jobs and whatever when Jesus called them and they followed him and they gave it up all. But you know what? There's also some people in the New Testament who didn't. There are some people who Jesus said, come follow me. And they're like, oh, but I just got to go do this or that. And then, you, you know, the story of the rich young ruler, he was like, I don't think I can sell all my possessions and then, you know, come follow you because I've got a lot of stuff going on here. And um, I don't know how to liquidize all those assets right now. And they're quite nice, all these assets. And Jesus was like, he left, sad. And Jesus, the amazing thing is Jesus didn't run after him. Jesus was like, okay, 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 a new deal. Sell 60% of your possessions and come and be my disciple. No, Jesus never ran after anyone. He, he, why? Because at the end of the day, he wasn't trying to make fans. He was looking for followers. People who would attach themselves to him and follow him wherever he goes. I've got like some Landela going on in my head right now. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's what he was looking for. If you've watched the, the latest episode of the, of the Chosen, you'll see there's this, this scene in the movie where it, 
it's amazing, by the way. If you haven't got The Chosen, make sure you go and watch that, download it. It's just, it's free, but you can pay it forward. Um, such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And there's this moment where there's this couple give up everything to follow Jesus. And her dad is, is not happy about that. And he's like worried about that. And Jesus says this. He says to the father, he says, to those who, who follow me, I require much of. But to those who don't, I require very little. <laughs> and it's true. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, he has to be number one in our lives. What's the difference between a fan and a follower? Well, if you're on social media, what do we do? We follow people, right? That's not the kind of following Jesus was talking about, okay? When you're on social media and you choose people, I'm going to follow this guy, I'm going to follow this girl, I'm going to follow this brand, whatever it is, what that really means in our language is that you're going to, you're going to watch them, you're going to see what they're eating, drinking, I don't know, whatever they, what are they wearing, and, 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 and sometimes, they will even you'll allow them to influence you, and you'll start going to the restaurant that they went to, or eating the food that they're recommending. You know these influencers that are on social media, you know, and and you and you you pick up little habits of here and there of what they like. You might even wear their style or look. You know, you you get influenced by them, but that's not what Jesus meant when he said, "Follow me." He didn't say like, "Let me be a good influence in your life." Let me be this like, you know, pick up a little thing off here that I said. Pick up a little thing over there that I said. Um, you know, I, 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 I treated people like this. So, you you know, treat people like that and, you, and pick and choose what, what fits you and suits you. No, when he said be my follower, he meant surrender your life. What did, I, what did we read there? He says, if any man wants to be my follower, give up your own way. Give up your, your own way. Give it up. And follow me. In other words, give up what you know and take on my nature completely. Bend your entire life to become like me. Become my apprentice. Become my understudy. Watch me. Listen to me. Be me in this world. Be my body. Be my hands. Be my feet. That's what he meant when he said, be my follower. And he never lowered his standard of total and complete loyalty and dedication. And I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that he hasn't even still, to this day, lowered that standard. We can't look at the guys in the New Testament and say, oh, they, they, they were there, you know, they had stuff to deal with. And like, we're now, you know, like further down the line, you know, and Jesus is more chilled and, and he's not really asking as much. And it's pretty much just pastors or missionaries that he's asking that of, or, you know. No, it's, it's all of us. I'll ask you again, are you a disciple of Jesus? Give up your own way. And then he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. <laughs> what is a cross? <laughs> what is a cross? Well, he was talking to first century believers here. What was a cross to them? A cross was an execution item. That's what it was. It was people who were charged with capital punishment in the highest degree were crucified. The worst of the worst criminals went to the cross. Not everyone died at the cross. There were other ways of executing people, of instituting capital punishment, but the cross was like the highest. It was like the worst way to die. It was, it was like at the top of the list. And he says, and he says, and he uses the cross 
And he says, this thing that's reserved for the worst of criminals, this thing that's reserved for capital punishment in the highest degree, pick that thing up daily and follow me. What was he saying? What was, he, was he being dramatic again? No, <laughs> he's not being dramatic. He chose his words very carefully. When he said pick up that cross, that thing that's reserved for the worst of criminals, what he was trying to say to us is that the worst criminal is self. And we all know that criminal. <laughs> the biggest hindrance to the kingdom of God the biggest enemy of the kingdom of God is self. Self is what stands in the way of the kingdom advancing. Self is what wrecks marriages. Self is what wrecks families. Self is what wreck, wrecks businesses, what wrecks municipalities, cities, governments, lead. Self. As soon as people focus on self and my life and my calling and my this and my that and my way and my rights and my that, then what happens to the world? We live in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness loves self, protects self, looks after self, encourages you to find yourself. And Jesus says, take self and nail it to the cross. It's the worst enemy of all. It's the thing that will stop my kingdom from coming into your life is that thing called self. So pick up that cross and crucify that guy. You know, <laughs> you know, when you, if you've ever, have you ever struggled to obey Jesus? Ever struggled? Like, just like, you know what I'm talking about. Like maybe, maybe you were in a situation where you have, you know you have to forgive someone and reconcile with them and not only just reconcile but love them. And you're like, I, I, yeah, I don't think I can love them. They're like, enemies, love your enemies. That was a command of Jesus. Obey everything. Disciples obey everything that Jesus commanded. Forgive 70 times, 7 times, consistently, continuously, always. That's what he commanded us. And yet, what do we, we struggle with that when we hurt, when somebody tramples us, when somebody is against us, when somebody treats us spitefully, accuses us wrongfully? What, what, what rises up on the inside of us? Self, like a monster. <laughs> Self is here, you know? And what do we have to do? We have to die to self. Maybe you've been in a relationship before and you know it's not the right thing for you. And God is saying, get out of that thing. Whoa, it's a struggle, eh? Who's going to win that battle? Who's going to win that fight? Maybe, maybe you have to see a pregnancy through. And everything in you is just going, this is, this is going to ruin my life. It's not your life anymore. You picked up that cross and you nailed yourself to that. Maybe God's telling you to stay in that business or stay in that company or stay wherever. Everything in you just wants to run for the hills. Or maybe saying, go. <laughs> and you just want to stay. <laughs> maybe He's calling you to stop a particular habit or lifestyle. 
but it's become so a part of your identity that you don't even know how you can separate yourself from it. Who's going to win? What's going to win? You know, when we consider these types of choices, it's fitting that he says, pick up your cross. It's very fitting. Why? Because it is your cross. It's your moment to die. And, and a cross means there's going to be pain. It means there's going to be something excruciating. There's going to be something difficult about it. But let me tell you something. If you can wrestle and crucify self in those moments, as much as it seems painful and difficult, I want you to know that God never calls us to suffer unreasonably. He never calls us just to die to self and and live miserable lives because he just wants to make things harder for us. On the other side of self and crucifying it is the kingdom of God, is the blessing of God, is the prosperity that God wants for us, is the freedom that God wants for us. Self is the thing that's in the way. And then he says daily. Pick up your cross daily. Daily. What does that mean? He chose these words carefully. Daily. Daily means daily. <laughs> it means lifestyle. It means habit. It means routine. It means discipline. If you're doing something every... What do you do every day? You brush your teeth every day, I hope. All right? <laughs> that, that's, that means you have a daily discipline and i want you to know this morning that if we're going to be disciples of jesus not only do we have to pick up that cross and crucify self to experience the kingdom of god but we're going to have to do it every single day we've got to you can't separate the word disciple and discipline they they're one in the same thing they come from the same root disciples are disciplines they've built habits they've built routines they've said no to late night movies they've said yes to early mornings on their knees they've said no to certain foods they've said yes to fellowship they said no to worldly pleasures and lust and they've said yes to the kingdom of god they've they've made time in their schedules to be faithful to connect grow and serve they've they've trained themselves to be fruitful they don't know how to reach uh, uh, atheists so they go and study and learn how to argue and present the gospel in a way that every man will receive it they study the scriptures they've said no to doing what everybody else is doing on a Sunday morning hanging out frolicking doing their own thing and they've said yes to the house of God they are disciplined that is what a disciple means you know, and sometimes now in the, in the Christian world, we live in such a time of the exaltation of self and comfort that we think it's like we're doing the, God a favor by serving in His church. Like, for real? <laughs> like, that's, that's your honor. That is your honor. That is your privilege as a disciple of Jesus. I want to show you a picture here of a beautiful vineyard. If you wouldn't mind just putting that up. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't that look amazing? I was trying to think of like what is the best picture of what a disciple is. And I think that's it. You know, that, that vineyard is fruitful. It's producing fruit. There's an abundance coming from it. But I want you to notice that that vineyard is not possible without discipline. Those vines, if you don't have those structures to hold them up, if you haven't gone to every single vine and clipped off the wild branches and then trained it to follow the path, 
the narrow path upon which it needs to go, it's not going to produce the fruit. So what we see is something incredible. It's an abundant thing. It's an incredible life-giving thing. But I want you to know, zero in on the detail and you will find discipline there. You will find cost there. You will find sacrifice there. And I wanted you to know, church, today that that is the Christian life. That is it. If you're looking for a comfortable ride, if you're looking to serve Jesus half-heartedly, lukewarmly, if you want to fit him in amongst your other commitments, I want you to know that you cannot be a disciple of Jesus. Disciples count the cost and they pay the cost. And they say, Jesus, if it costs me time, if it costs me money, if it costs me being ridiculed by my friends, if it costs me my Friday nights, if it costs me, I will pay it. Because I believe at the other end of that, the reward is always greater. So why do we pay the cross? And let me finish. Why do we pay the price? Let me finish with this. Because the rewards are so great. (laughs) Do you know this? Do you know this? Jesus, I mean, you look at him while he's on in in an earthly ministry. You know, like his his pinnacle moment, I think, was was Palm Sunday, where he was celebrated the most. But what was he doing? He was riding a donkey. And what were people doing? Putting their clothes and palm branches down before him on the streets and they were singing Hosanna. Okay, take that picture and compare it to what he has right now. The name that is above every other name. Seated at the right hand of God the Almighty. Countless thousands of angels worshipping and celebrating him. Riding the white horse. The nations are his. Every nation's. Highest place. In hell, they bow. On earth, they bow. In heaven, they bow. When, they, when we say the word Jesus. Somebody said Jesus. <laughs> Highest place. People are now throwing their crowns before him. In Revelation 4 or 5. They, 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 they're throwing crowns before him. How did he get there? Such reward. How come he gets to sit there? How come he gets that name? How come he gets that? He paid the greatest price. Nobody paid that price. All of heaven was sad in this moment. We're like, who is worthy to open the seals? There is one who is worthy. There is one who can open the seals. His name is Jesus. Jesus. The darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. I want you to know that that didn't come cheap for Jesus. He humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, and even lowered himself to death, but death on a cross. He paid the ultimate price. He sweated blood in that garden of Gethsemane, and he was like, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it be, but not... My will, but yours. People, that was the cross right there. That was the crucifixion moment. That was him sweating blood, wanting not to go to the cross. If it can please pass from me, I don't want to go through this. But he sacrificed self. He crucified self, and the cross was just an expression of it. But I think the real victory was there in the garden. (laughs) You might be facing something right now, church. 
changing something, giving up something. I don't know what Jesus is saying to you right now, but I believe He's active. I believe His Spirit is moving here and talking to you where you are at home or anywhere. And He's calling you and He's, and he's trying to reach into your heart about stuff, about what you need to do with your life. What are you going to do? Is self going to win? Or is he going to win? You know, I remember being in a, in a relationship that God wanted me to get out of. And it was the hardest thing I had to do was get out of that relationship. I had no idea Trish was at the other end of that. And my two boys and the, and the beautiful family that I have and get to enjoy was at the end of me crucifying self. It was the end of me taking up my cross and saying, you're always better. I remember the call to go into ministry and sitting on my couch going, Jesus, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can stand in front of people and talk. I don't think I can. I'm good enough. I've never been a leader my whole life. Like, you know, I don't think I can do this. And then what about the money, Jesus? <laughs> like, who's going to pay the bills? And I remember sitting there and just wrestling self and then going, it's all yours. It's all yours. I'll go. Even if it's to Afghanistan, at that time it was the Congo, and I was like, and you want me to live in a tent and get eaten by mosquitoes, it's all on the line. It's all on the line. In my mind, that's where I actually thought I was going. But look at me now. <laughs> Listen, whatever your perceived cost is, it's nothing. And that's this side of eternity. What about that side? <laughs> Listen, let's not get to that side and go, I could have done, I could have, I should have. Because look at what's here. <laughs> Let's be those who enter into glory and receive the crown that has only our name on it. Let's be those disciples who run our race, discipline our bodies, our schedules, so that we can get that crown, that reward. That he has promised us. Amen. Sobs, would you come up and, and land this word for us this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father. Praise to you, my friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.